Hey everybody, welcome back to the Just the Two of Us podcast where it is just the two of us, except tonight we have a special guest. John Rowan is in studio with us. Ooh. Good evening, John. Hey, how you doing? John is a local business owner, officially a real estate broker, correct? That's right. Um, do you want to fill us in on, on what you've got going on business-wise? Well, you know, real estate's one of those things everybody loves to talk about. Yep. Uh, so um, so I, I talk to people pretty much everywhere about what I do, but I've been doing this since 1987. Okay. Some of the people I talk to haven't even been born yet, but uh, now they're <laughs> buying houses. Yeah, uh, right. yeah, so it's kind of an interesting thing. Um, yeah, so I run and I own and run Red Wing Homes for Sale. Uh, we have an office downtown, kind of by Liberty's Restaurant. Okay. And uh, we're part of the Keller Williams Network. Excellent. Uh, when did uh, when did that start with Keller Williams? Um, we started about two years ago. Um, I was always attracted to Keller Williams because they're they're kind of a real estate tech company. Okay. You know, and I I really enjoy the the technology part of it, but they have a really nice, a really good philosophy that kind of meets with my values as well, and I didn't join until two years ago because until then they were only in communities of a population of 60,000 or more and kind of that's the way to grow their franchises now the interesting mm. part about that is Minnesota doesn't see that many of them they've only been here for about 15 years and they're out of Austin Texas but they have more offices and agents than any other company in the United States and in fact they're in uh, uh, 54 countries oh wow so, yeah so that's that's kind of a cool thing. It's a big knowledge pool to pull from if you need anything, right? Oh, it is. You know, the other thing that's kind of fun about it is um, so all of our offices, we have our own websites. Everybody's on the web. And so my website, redwinghomesforsale.com, uh, if you went there, you can search for properties all over the United States okay. in these other countries, all that kind of stuff. And okay. that's something that the Keller Williams Network provide so it's pretty cool you know yeah. i have uh friends who use it just for um it's got all the google earth and everything like that but they like to check out oh for example places where their kids are thinking about going to college what okay. neighborhoods are like and things like that yeah so it's it's really quite there's a lot there oh cool and before the keller williams deal how was your database online handled? Was that all manual entry or? You, yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. And then and then there's a whole uh, two or a decade before anything yeah. online or before computers. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to know how real estate was done back then, I can tell you how that was too. Yeah, yeah so. so take it back to 1987. Ah, well, 1987, interesting time uh, for any home buyers right now. In 1987, the average interest rate for homes was around 14 to 15 percent. So, wow. <laughs> uh, it was a different world, and yes, people still bought houses then. Yep. Mm. But uh, back then, one of the biggest differences was we didn't have MLS. MLS is that computer database that feeds all the property information, and everybody can see it on the websites and things like that. Yep. Okay. So, if you wanted to um, see a property, you had to go to that real estate company that had the sign in the yard, go okay. there, make an appointment, and get a piece of paper that told you about it, yep. and then go and, if as a real estate agent, I'd go and get a key, and then bring yep. a key back, and so you were running around with all these keys, yeah. and then you had to hurry up in case somebody else wanted to show it and get the key back. <laughs> it was, it was really something else. I it bet. was really something else. Yeah, I'm guessing the process took a little bit more time back then. Oh my goodness, yes. That took a tremendous amount of time, but the big difference is um, back, let me see, it was probably early, mid-90s, they started talking about a paperless society, you know, paperless thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, back then, we, our purchase agreements, when you bought a, a house, was one piece of paper. Oh, wow. And okay. listed a house as one piece of paper. So yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot easier to put together. I used to yep. um, write offers on the trunk of my car. You okay. know, we're standing out there. And like, well, here we go. Yeah, sure, yeah. we can do this. Yep. Um, and uh, it's gotten a, there's a lot more paperwork involved. However, now, if I'm going to, 
for example, go and show you a property in a different community or area, I'm going to have this all written up before we get there, and then while we're standing there, I'll hit send, and then you just sign it on your phone. Okay. So things have changed. Yeah. And did you, I'm guessing you started out solo? Actually, uh, yes, yes. Uh, most of my career has been solo. Okay. Um, yeah. I started out with a, a company called Heritage Realty, which is not around anymore. They are um, in the building where Reister Refrigeration is. Okay. There's now a uh, hair shop there. Hair Associates, I think, is there. Sure. That used to be a little real estate office. Okay. And uh, that's no longer. And that's where I started out. Uh, I was there for the first two, three years of my career. Something okay. like that. Yeah. Do you remember the sale price of your first sale? Oh, I can tell you this. The, it was like the first house I listed. Yep. It was for $19,500. And oh, you could wow. buy a house. A three-bedroom, yep. one-bath house. And that was that was pretty good. I was really excited about that. And, uh, you know, back then, I, I was talking to my wife the other day and saying, I remember when I sold a house for $50,000, and I was like, man, if I can sell a house for $50,000 like once a month, uh, this is going <laughs> to be the best ever. We've yeah, right. made it, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, things have changed a little bit. Yeah, most certainly. <laughs> And now you're a growing company? I mean, yeah. you've got employees now? Right, right. Uh, so we're working on a, a team concept is what we are. Super thing for us. Um, and I can get into why, but right now there's five of us. So if you hire us to, say, list your house, you're, you're hiring all five of us. We all have certain roles that we uh, take on. And um, so it's just a real different way. It's one that is uh, really promoted by the Keller Williams Network and, uh, and really supported by them as well. So, And I can, well, because I did so many years by myself, solo, like yeah. you were saying, mm -hmm. I get it. You get to a point where um, if you're fortunate enough to do a lot of business and it keeps growing sooner or later, you can't do it all. Yeah. And this mm -hmm. is where that all comes from. And it is, it sounds like you kind of break up into more specialized roles. We so you do. can get better and faster at the maybe the portion of it that you handle. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening with that is if you have a high standard about how you do things, and most, you know, realtors, you know, they really care about their business and they're trying to do the best they can. Um, and they develop high standards in certain in all these different areas and that's how it happened for me as far as uh, what I wanted to do when I'm presenting properties for sellers because that was really really important that's kind of the outward face of your business sure okay. and so I got to the point where I, yeah I want to do this 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 and then all of a sudden you don't have enough time to do it mm -hmm. so how are you going to maintain the quality standards that you have and still keep doing more business. And the only way you can do that is through leverage by hiring people to do yeah. it. And you've brought uh, a few of your own kids in, right? Yes, yes, that's pretty exciting. Um, but prior to that, I had this gentleman, Neil Topliff, who works with me. He's, okay. uh, he, he does a tremendous amount of uh, different things that he has skills in, but primarily it was photography and videography is what he was doing originally to start with. And yep. now we're, um, he still does all that. Well, the video, I have somebody else who does that. But um, the photography, he does floor plans, he follows up with sellers, helps with buyers. He does a, he's had a real high level skill set there. So yeah, he was the first of our current crew. And then my son, Isaac, um, he, uh, as I kind of morphed into more working with sellers, he kind of took over the buying side of it, the working oh, cool. with the buyer. So he's okay. kind of our lead buyer agent. Jeff Freeman works for us too as a buyer's agent. And so he's kind of, uh, Isaac helps him with that, helps him with the leads that we generate and what to do with that. And then my daughter, Abby, works for us as well. And it took me about almost a year to hire her away from her job. <laughs> she was doing the marketing for uh, the Chamber of Commerce in River Falls. Oh, cool. Okay. And so it kind of brought her on a year ago, just just a year ago last month. How much dad guilt did that take? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it, it took a lot. It took a lot. She was yeah, legitimately, 
she was concerned that working at a place owned by her dad wouldn't have any uh, kind of uh, meaning, like on a resume mm-hmm. and things yeah, like that. I could see that. And now, and now she's like, "Oh, this is the best job ever." Yeah. What do I need <laughs> a resume for anymore? Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's working out. She's she's really uh, getting very involved in all of our marketing uh, and their social media. We have a much stronger social media presence than when I was attempting. Yeah. And now she's actually doing and creating and all yeah. that kind of great stuff. So she's super good at that. And plus she's doing a little bit of operations and financials and things like that too. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So you said you're more involved with the sellers now. Yes. Is that something that you found yourself having more interest in or something that you found needed more of your attention? Um, actually, I, I think it was more interest, but it was also um, because that's the face of the business. Sure. You know, that is the thing that generates the buyers that keeps the engine going. Gotcha. And so that is the one thing that I, I'm hyper focused on. Obviously, I've, you know, thousands of sales with buyers and same thing with sellers, but that is where I am right now. I get a lot of buyers that I've worked with in the past who my goal there is to help them understand our team concept so that they understand I'm going to be working really hard to get their their property sold, but if we get buyers, I've got buyer specialists that really know how to do this. Sure. So um, the, the listing side is one that I... I enjoy and I also think is is really really super important for your business to succeed. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And were you did you have brick and mortar before you started to expand the team? Um, one time I did. Okay. Um, so kind of the history went. <laughs> I've been with most of the companies in town. So let me see. I started at eighty seven. Then by ninety, I was over at Lawrence Realty for a dozen years or so couple years at Edina, and then I bought and sold a council realty franchise behind uh, Subway downtown. Okay. So that was kind of brick and mortar. I didn't own that, but I rented that. Yep. And then uh, Caldwell Banker, and then back to Edina before I started this in 2000 and, uh, what, 2011. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the key to determining whether you can succeed or not is yep. start a business in the worst time yeah no kidding what that was market is bottoming out and here we go yeah right and for those who are old enough to remember 1987 was the year after the big real estate tax change not real estate taxes but taxes uh uh let me see ronald reagan had a big thing that he changed in 1986 came in effect 1987 and the market just crashed oh boy it was just a bit so I was like, looking back, it's like, well, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I start things at the worst time. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, it's a good proving ground. I yes, guess. it is. Yeah, it seemed to work. So can you explain to me, because I hear a lot of terms and don't understand everything, like the difference between an agent and a broker? Oh, sure. Um, you know, primarily what that is, uh, experience and education. Okay. 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 Um, uh an agent has to have their license with a broker okay okay so you don't you don't get to just go to school and become a broker you have to be an agent first and it used to be that you could get your agent's license and then just keep going to school and get your broker's license that's not the case any longer okay um you can however do that in wisconsin if if you're interested um but uh, that is what that is. So the broker just has an advanced license, and when they have agents under them, there is a responsibility for supervision of those agents. So okay. you're taking on that liability as sure. well. And those licenses, are they national or statewide or a little bit of both? Um, they are statewide. Okay. However, to get your... Real estate license, it's, um, there's both national tests and state tests okay. that you have to pass. And yep. then there's continuing education. Um, like Minnesota, you have to you have 15 hours a year, and there's tests with that. In Wisconsin, I'm also a broker in Wisconsin, that is 18 hours every two years. So, yeah. Not too bad. No, no, it's not too bad. And really, it's the, uh, it, if you ask me, the industry is one where uh, it's a little too easy to get into um, because 
what happens for a lot of new agents, unfortunately, is they get their license, they go to work for a broker, they sell to their brother, their sister, their mom, their friend, good friends, and then once that's done, then what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How yeah. do I get leads? How do I <laughs> yeah. get new buyers? How do I work with people I don't know? Yeah. Right. So that's where that's where the having a team or having a broker that's willing to mentor you comes into comes into play. Yeah, having that that Rolodex of customers or or a proven name is going to be huge, right? Because anything advertising on on social media is mm-hmm. is pretty flooded. Oh yeah. Without a doubt, it's it is a it's a big big deal. I mean, I I can't understate it. Um, you know, I have a database of over fifteen thousand that we work with, and they're uh, categorized. You know, past buyers, sellers, buyers looking for this type of property, buyers looking for okay. that type of property. So, when the agents come in on my team, they have access to that. Let's say. There's a there's a listing that they're interested in selling, even whether it's ours or someone else's. They can go in the database, see if we've got any clients that match, and just start just start hammering them out. You know, emails, calls, texts, whatever it takes, to see if they'd be interested in that property. Mm-hmm. So that's really unusual in the industry because most of the time, for agents, it's like this is my client and this is your client, yep, and sure. and I. You know, where am I going to get another one? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, and that's part of what the working with the seller size side, getting those buyers that I'm very much interested in, and creating and growing that database for the buyer agents to work with. And in order to list uh, a property on like the MLS, you need to be a broker. Uh, no, you need to be a member of the um, of the Realtor Association. Okay. So. It's probably important to kind of stay, take a step back and, and kind of understand the distinction there. You can be a real estate agent or a real estate broker and um, list and sell houses. However, the MLS, the Multiple Listing Service, um, was created through the realtor associations. So realtor associations is um, like we belong to the St. Paul Area Association of Realtors. Then there's a Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors, Duluth, and all these different things. Well, um, they are all shareholders in the multiple listing service. The multiple listing service is that computer database that shares all of that information. Well, if if you choose not to be a member of that association, you don't have access to the MLS. Okay. So, but there were, it used to be, in the 1980s, obviously, we didn't have MLS. So um, you didn't have access then, and you only only showed properties that were listed by your company. Okay. So it was created, it. it was created, actually it was created for the consumer because if you have your house for sale, you want as many buyers to see it as possible. Yeah. And if the only buyers that could see it were the ones that came through your agent's office, that's not that many. I mean, it's just not. No, right. So they did it as a means of sharing information, sharing real estate commissions, because part of it always goes to the selling office and part of it goes to the listing office. Okay. And that seems to have worked really well for home sellers and for home buyers. So, John, you've been at it a while. Um, I assume there's been a lot of ups and downs in the market. Can you share with us right now what the market is like? Oh, man. It seems like it's going crazy. Well, I think you read it perfectly. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been a continuation of crazy for about two years. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we've seen many. I've seen four or five ups and downs since I started, and um, they're all a little bit different. Um, what's happening right now, I would say, has not happened before. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, the market was going up again but not to this degree. This is the first time that we've seen year-over-year double-digit increase in appreciation. So that's really rare. And people are um, concerned right now, is this a bubble? Meaning, is it going to collapse like it did in 2007? And everything I'm reading is saying, no, uh, that's not going to happen. It will 
most likely slow down as interest rates go up because affordability is yep. in there, but it's not going to happen really fast. Um, so that, and that'll be good. I mean, in the sense that, you know, buyers, you know, they're, they're having such a hard time buying homes right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tough. Um, yep. I got a lot of very interesting stories that have come out of these last few years. I've seen situations where, um, especially, you know, being connected to the Metro a lot, um, agents and working with buyers up there trying to buy homes and, and they find a house and there's 20 offers on it. I mean, how do you, how do you, so yeah. the, if you as a buyer, say you're a first time home buyer and you're looking for a house now and you meet with your realtor, you find a house and their first question to you is, well, how much over list price do you want to offer? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't want to offer anything over. In <laughs> right. fact, I want to offer less. less. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that. Um, so that's a real different conversation to okay. have. But, um, you know, through the through the history of all the ups and downs, it is interesting. I actually got involved with a lot of um, foreclosure properties when the market went down in 2007, 8, 9, 10, something mm -hmm. like that. And uh, so that's a whole different animal. Yeah. But we don't see much of that right now. And that's a good thing. Yeah, that is that is a plus. <laughs> I think you were the one that told me, John, that uh, with a foreclosure, you get what you see and everything you don't. Exactly. <laughs> you do. You do. So, you know, go there, eyes open, check it out. Um, if they let you have an inspection, have one, but they're not going to change anything. No. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, that's very true. And why don't we segue that into the first topic I had, which was you know, maybe some things that you like to see from a first time buyer, uh, some things they can prepare before they even come and see you. Oh yeah. Well, um, see a lot of times, uh, it starts with, um, it starts with an inquiry off of a property online they saw and they're like, Hey, yep. you know, let's okay. go see this. And you know, that's where, um, uh, education of the, of buyers is really important. So I think number one, it's important to share that excitement that they want to go see this property. But it's also important, and it's a responsibility of the realtor to say, okay, this is how that works. Have you done this, 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 this? And um, in our current market, it is really a waste of time to look at properties without knowing what you qualify for. Okay. So mm -hmm. you have to talk to that lender. It doesn't, lenders have gotten so much better at, um, if you were a new buyer and you wanted, you called me today, I could have you talk to a lender and we'd get you pre-approved, you know, by this evening. Sure. You know? Yeah. Um, they're just so much better at that right now. But you have to have that. And you want to know that. I mean, you're like, I'm looking at this $300,000 property and it's it's the right home for me. And it's like, well, great. And that equals about a $2,200 house payment. I've got about $600 a month. Well, yeah. you know, see, that's not going to work. Right, right. And so it's really important to have those conversations in, um, in a way that kind of keeps the excitement but also gets them to understand where mm -hmm. they fit in the market and then look at the market and see if there's homes that do fit with what they're hoping for. Sure. Is that a, re a reality check you need to give quite often? Um, only every time a buyer looks at properties, <laughs> even, even people who are buying their second, third, fourth home okay, because sure. they've done it before and they think, well, I know how to do this. I'll be okay. And it's yeah, like, yeah, things change. Things do change. Oh yeah. 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 yeah even, say, even in just a couple of years, right, things right. can change big time. Well, kids, people have kids, you know, that's costs a little bit of money. All of a sudden, there's two cars. There's three cars. Uh, yeah. You have a house payment. You have all these things, yep. and all that comes into play. So it's really important to get that figured out. How about on the flip side of that? Maybe someone is going into selling a house for the first time. What are some things you like to? Uh, what are some things you like for them to prepare before they maybe come and see you to list it? Oh, you know, um, before we list it, um, I can give you a. You know, I just had another phone call uh, today, and um, that client hasn't sold the property before. And so I have a very nice um, 
brochure that explains the process about how it goes so they have something hard copy in front of it, or I yeah. can email and text it to them as well. But sure. the process is us going through having a professional, someone who's had enough experience to know not only what the market is right now, but know what the trends are. So where is it going? Yeah. Um, so that we can price the property, the, the home properly. And in order to do that, I typically go out and meet with the home seller, uh, spend, you know, I, you could, depending on the property, an hour or so, and um, taking notes. Uh, Neil usually comes with me and he's taking all the notes so I can have this conversation. Yep. And they'll go through the property and tell me about any updates that they've done, things that they're thinking about doing, and uh, things that may be concerning. And then with that information, I will go back and put together what they call a market analysis. Um, they call it a comparable market analysis. CMA is what the word is. Yep. And then I go back and I look through everything that's on market, the things that are sold, that are pending, that expired, and give them a price range um, to see where their home fits. And I also do um, an estimated net sheet said, okay, if we sell for this, what's the bottom line for me? Because that's what people really want to know. Yes. Because there's a bunch of different costs in there. Yeah. So that's the first part of it. And then should they decide that they want to work with us, um, part of what we do is we provide a professional home stager. So this gentleman comes in and he'll meet with the homeowners for a couple hours. Okay and go through the house and show them things that they can do and then follow it up with a written report stating what he saw and what he feels uh, would be the best way to present each room um, when you're putting it on the market. And all of those things are recommendations, they're not requirements, they're recommendations to our home sellers, but it really matters and it does really help. Yeah. And when you're selling, I. I would imagine trying to keep that house in order That's... <laughs> for all the pop-up uh, oh, yeah. pop yeah. customers that might be coming to look at the place. Well, and you having uh, young kids, you'd know that mm. that's even a little more challenging yep. than, than normal. Um, yeah, so what we're trying to do with that, and we've obviously worked with that many times, is um, we can actually restrict uh, showings to uh, certain times of the day. It's like okay. we have a family no, sure. that's got young kids that sleep between these hours. And so it was like, okay, no showings during that time. And no showings after 7 because they that's when they go to bed. Yep. Great. We can yep. work with all that. It's all about sure. communications. And we have some really uh, good uh, systems in place to, to put that out there so people don't even bother the owners during those times sure. asking for showings. It, it seems like whether you're selling or listing or you know, touring different properties with customers, it seems like this is probably a seven days a week type of thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Do you ever get to shut it off? <laughs> you know, that is probably one of the greatest things about having a team of people. Okay. Um, so we all support each other when we, uh, and it allows us to take some time off and stay fresh in the business and, and uh, enjoy what we're doing still have a good life, have a vacation, and then come to work and, and, and work hard and work a lot. And the reason, you're exactly right, but like weekends, a lot of buyers want to look on weekends. Yeah, of course. That's what that is. Yep. So we talked earlier, um, I, as a solo agent, yeah, I was doing all that. Yep, sure. And there are some, there's some real trade-offs, and it's just, um, you know, there's a learning process with that, and... Um, it's different because I can look back and say, no, don't do this. Don't do what I did. And because I, you know, when I was younger, gave up some family things for work because you just felt that. And I think a lot of younger, newer agents do. It's like, oh, yeah. I got to go. Otherwise, they're not going to work with me, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's just not worth it. You yeah. Know? I mean, family comes way before work. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, so now, you know, with the team that we have, we can back each other up, and it seems to work out pretty well. Good. Probably takes a little pressure off. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. So I had I had saw a stat, John, that as of 2021, Gen X is the biggest group of buyers right now. Have you seen a big difference 
in generations between maybe like the baby boomers buying and the and Gen X buying maybe the type of property they're looking for or anything like that? Well, first of all, um, I would say that the millennials are the biggest group of buyers. That's what I would have guessed. Yeah. 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 I got some bad info. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> What's your source? <laughs> because millennials, what is that? That's like 1981 yep. to whatever. They just turned 40. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. To, um, oh, actually, uh, my daughter, Abby, is a millennial. She's 25. I think she's at the very end. Okay. And Isaac... 37 he's at the other end yep, yep. so that group is super busy yeah and um a real variety you know your your younger millennials are buying that first home okay. um and people like isaac uh, those people are buying their second or third yep and so real difference real difference in homes um and like your baby boomers i mean that's that's an active market but that's kind of a downsizing market oh sure you know i can imagine and um because you know you get the big house okay there's nobody in there but the two of you yeah (laughs) or one of you whatever (laughs) what are we doing so um but yeah i would say that that's our bigger that the millennials is the biggest most active uh group right now i can imagine that yeah so we're a fun group yeah, we like to buy houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Your guys are fun. They're kind of whiny. Like yeah, they, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they want it all and they want it for nothing. And they want it now. Yeah. They want it now. Yes, I just saw it. it. I want to be there. I want to <laughs> click a button on Facebook and I own the house. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, did you read about that? There's a house. Oh, what do they do? I know some kind of crypto thing in, in uh, Florida. They put that on there. I don't. I will not say I understand how that all works. No, I don't I'm okay either. with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nor do I want to. Yeah. We talked about the last two years being kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, did you foresee any of that? Did you? Is that when you started your your group strategy? Kind of. It was. It was. You know, actually, um, uh, we joined in. Um, you know, right at the beginning of COVID, which we didn't know was happening. I yeah, mean, <laughs> we didn't know that was happening, but. I saw something coming. It was just very strange. And to the point where um, the beginning of that year, I went out and got large lines of credit because I, the market was just like, what is going to happen here? Either something's going to, the market's going to drop, going to fall out, yep. or it's going to take off. And I wanted to be prepared to, you know, make, keep this business going no matter what it was. And turned out after uh, about the first three months of the year, which are really awful, then it got, yep. then it just went crazy. I mean, yeah. it was just like, what? All right, we figured out how. That if you think back, uh, twenty twenty, that's really when the co- when COVID hit. We ended up doing a lot of virtual showings. We, you know, okay. people didn't want to meet. Yeah. So um, we were already doing um, video walkthroughs mm-hmm. through houses and things like that. So that wasn't a new technology for us, um, but people buying without seeing, that was a, a lot of that. Okay. And so that was really an interesting, interesting shift. And uh, for a lot of agents, just learning how to do that with okay. their clients was really, was really, um, I, I think it was really tough, but it was really good for the industry in the sense that they got to know how to do these things. Yeah. So most of your agents are pretty well versed in the whole mobile showings and offers and writing and everything like that is that still the mobile showings is that still popular now after people can meet in person not so much okay no no but i do think that so we get a lot of buyers that aren't from this area and they still want to see it yeah but they're not going to be here so we know how to do that easily yeah and then they'll still come here though and sh- and see the property it's not a whole lot of people buying without seeing anymore yeah um and and there's not a fear in that there was a real fear in that previously and there sure. really that just doesn't seem to be there anymore okay um but everybody knows how to do it you yeah. know if they had to sick of zoom everybody's sick of zoom everybody's yeah. sick of it. just tired of it <laughs> <laughs> did number of listings go up as well with uh, the COVID craziness? Um, number of listings, I would say, well, hmm, over the market, probably not, but it shifted. Okay. It shifted. We did more uh, transactions than ever 
those last two years. Okay. It was just, um, it was wild as far as the number of properties we were closing. Um, so we got very busy, mm-hmm. but uh, we kind of had, we, we are already on that technology forefront when it happened, so we're kind of ready for it. Oh, and beautiful. so that was, that was great. I mean, I think that yeah. really helped us then. And plus the fact that, um, you know, we had, we had systems in place. You know, we had people yeah. to react right away and things like that. So that was, that was really good. So we were really, really blessed in that respect that our business kept going uh, when uh, a number of businesses really slowed down. Okay. So, um, yeah, we grew. I mean, we're, gosh, I'm nothing but thankful for how things turned out these last two years. Good. Yeah. Do you think the number of agents, like licensed agents, rose at all? People trying to cash in? Nope. No. No, everybody <laughs> wanted out. It did prior to COVID. Okay. It okay. did, because that will always happen whenever the market is fast-paced. Jump in, and and uh, it looks like it's easy. And yeah. in yeah. some cases, it is. Mm-hmm. But um, So that's when we get a bunch of new agents. Then it gets hard for whatever reason, mm-hmm. either like COVID made it hard um, when the, after 2007, the market got really difficult. Um, so that's when we start losing agents okay. and because it's an industry that you can get in fairly easily, people leave it pretty quick too. Yeah, so, sure. um, we see, a, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of agents that have licenses. Okay. There aren't a lot of agents selling a lot of homes. Gotcha. So, <laughs> so, Probably not for lack of trying. Right, right. One of the things that's really interesting, though, and I, and I think this will sort of answer your question, too, is if you noticed around town, there's a lot of signs that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. These companies that are like, where are they coming from? Yeah. Well, what's happening is because um, the listing inventory has become so, so competitive that agents will drive for an hour or two hours to get a listing oh. in Red Wing, okay. Okay. where before, you know, they wouldn't have done that. But it's because they're not getting them in their area, so yeah. all of a sudden, here we are. Well, and especially if they yeah. can show it virtually. Oh, right, right. But at the least reality, to begin with. Yes, at least that in the beginning. But um, now, with the market being as fast-paced as it is, um, my question on that is, so you put your house up for sale, and you. And so your strategy is, you're counting on all the other real estate companies to sell it for you. Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> all right. I'd like to. If it was me as a seller, I'd like to have a agent that can show the house that lives in the community that can just be there in five, ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah. You know, if somebody wants to see it. If I have a buyer, like say I'm the seller, and I, I run into somebody that says, Hey, yeah, I'd like to take a look at your house. And, and your thing is like, well, call my agent. Well, no, they live an hour and a half away. Um, let me think. Yeah. <laughs> I guess text me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll just... Yeah. So, and the sellers might be, yeah, come on over and take a look. I'm ready. But, uh, so that's, that's kind of something that's kind of a weird thing that's going on right now. Yeah. I mean, whether buying or selling, that's a pretty big transaction for just about anyone. I mean, it carries a lot of weight. I'm guessing a lot of people would love to stay local and build a relationship with, with someone they know or that's f- from their own community. Well, you know, I do think that there's real value in that um, because if you go, if you work with an agent that's local, um, they're going to know the things that are going, usually they should anyway, yeah, yeah. know the things that are going on in that community. Um, you know, if there's going to be any big changes coming up, whether it's, um, you know, highways or parks or or changes in taxation and things mm-hmm. like that. How do you know that if you're not there? Yeah. So I think there's real I think there's real value in that. And I'm real and actually as as a realtor, um, versus a real estate agent, meaning like I said, you have to join this association and with the association comes a code of ethics that we have to um, abide by. Okay. And one of that is to have expertise in the area in which you're practicing. Okay. Not just real estate, but like physical area. So am I going to drive out to Marshall and sell a house? I have no idea. I mean, I could probably yeah. figure it out and guess, yeah. but that isn't, that isn't the way to do business. No. no. So you're, 
so the buyers and sellers are vetting um, who they're going to use. Are you vetting your customers at all on whether you would like to sell for them or, or help mm -hmm. them buy? You know, um, we do in the sense that um, one of the first things that we're trying to do establish when we meet with a seller or a buyer is um, trying to find trying to develop some kind of rapport and and get some kind of common ground to see if it's possible that we can work together because you know uh, the reality is we're all humans and um, there are some people that it's just not going to work yeah. yeah and so the 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 challenge the artistry if you ask me is to be able to walk away from that without them feeling like you know that they've been abandoned you know that's yes. just like you know it's just i just don't think we're the best fit okay and um i and that is really hard for young agents to do yeah okay. and, I can imagine. Um, but you have to empower them to do that and um with my agents i'm always like you know come and talk to me let's just let's have a conversation about why you feel this way you know and um then i like to come in and kind of help with that conversation sure but there's no way there's absolutely no way i'm going going to insist that uh one of my agents keeps working with a buyer when it doesn't fit because yeah. it's going to end badly yeah right. <laughs> and right. who wants that reputation is everything in this business yeah i believe so, that yeah. absolutely speaking of reputation i did I, I am curious because you know there are some sleazy agents around <laughs> and you see them on infomercials or you know some sort of weird ad somewhere and they're always talking about trying to hack the real estate uh, business and, and weird mm -hmm. things like this I mean what are these people up to exactly um, well uh, I think that uh, every industry has those edges yeah you know there's fringe edges edges out mm -hmm. there they're I'm always angry. there and um, you know, I think you really have to come down to uh, the belief that if something sounds too good to be true, it is. Yeah. I mean, it just, yeah. you know. And I and what's happened in our industry is that um, it's kind of being hacked by, by companies and some of these uh, actors out there because what they're trying to do is they're trying to find, they're fishing, they're fishing mm -hmm. for a buyer and they're fishing for a seller and they're going to sell that contact or that person to someone who knows what they're doing. Okay. And so, but by doing that, they're getting pieces of the pie. Okay. So, um, and that is something that, you know, it's hard for some agents to turn that down. Um, we don't do a whole lot of it. We, we, we refer uh, to people in our network, sure. but we don't do a whole lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, good. it's just... You know, they have, they're not taking on any fiduciary obligation with you, which I do think is an important point to bring up as to what is that. Yeah. When you work with a buyer agent or a seller agent, they have obligations to you as a client. And those are um, fiduciary obligations, which are more than like if you were working with a, an agent um, who... Um, isn't a realtor, doesn't belong to one of those associations. Okay. okay. So um, they are obligated to look out for your interest, you know, and that is a big, big deal. Yeah. And so verse and above their interest. Right. So yeah. that that's that's just huge, if you ask me. Um, I wanted to bring up a document here just to kind of show you what I'm talking about. If you have a second. Yeah. So when we work together, here's one of the things that's really kind of interesting, I think, in our industry, and, and people don't really think about this much, but our industry is one where everything is known up front. And what I mean by that is like any fees that you're going to incur, either as a buyer or a seller, you're going to know those before you get started. Yeah. Oftentimes, um, it turns out that uh, buyers and sellers are, they're kind of surprised yeah. because it's in the beginning. 
It's mm. not in the end. <laughs> yep, sure. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of one of those things that I just think is like, oh my gosh, I, I'm really glad that that industry is that way. But it's also hard. It's also hard when the very in your very first conver conversation with buyers, you're talking about you yeah. know, the fees. Right. Yeah. What's it going to cost to to work with me? So, um, and I was talking about the fiduciary obligations. So the obligations we have to our clients are loyalty, obedience, disclosure, confidentiality, care, and accounting. So sure. we're taking on all of that for you and, and all of that looking out for your best interest. Um, agents who aren't realtors um, aren't doing that and unrepresented buyers don't have anybody looking out for them. So that's a that's why it's really important to have an agent that you trust. Yeah. Yeah, so they won't sell you uh, a sweet sweet pie and then in the end you have one sliver of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's here's a, an example this this actually happened. Um so in in a large uh, metropolitan area, the, an agent sold a house to this buyer. The buyer is looking for something very specific, a pool, yard, whatever, and the agent showed them there are two properties for sale. But the agent showed them one that had a higher payout to the buyer's agent. Okay. And then, as always, the buyer finds out hey, what about this other house? You didn't show me this house. Yeah. And I see that house, and I'm only a few blocks away from the house, and it was available. Why didn't you show me that? Well, if the reason is because I get paid more to sell you this one, oh, yeah. you can kind of figure out where that went. Yep. So yeah. that agent uh, was sued, and um, you know, and that other contract was canceled. So it was a big, big deal. So your obligations yeah. are to put your client above yourself. You know, as far as that goes, yep. um, their interest above yours, and that's a tough lesson for um, for buyer, young buyer agents to learn. Is that sometimes it's better to walk away. Um, you know, you you when you signed this, you were said you were going to do the best for the buyer, regardless sure. of what your compensation is going to be. Yeah. So, um, it's a tough sale, and it's going to be a tough business sometimes. Yeah, that would be something that would completely ruin your reputation. Oh yeah, immediately. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. And uh, you know, I have to say, you know, the majority of agents, at least the ones that I work with in this area, are really good agents. They they are doing their best for their clients. Um, every once in a while, you run into situations that get a little dicey, but uh, yep. for the most part, everything seems to work out pretty well. Yeah. The thing about it is, again, we're working with people and you we don't always know the buyer how the buyer's thinking or how the yeah. seller's thinking we do our best but um you know things can get a little strange sometimes like that so the lesson is to find yourself uh, a, a reputable realtor yeah someone that's part of the association yeah that has obligations to help you exactly. <laughs> right? and, and not help themselves to your wallet right right <laughs> that that's so that is so true i mean that's why um I do think interviewing agents is really important. It doesn't mean you have to go out there and it's like, okay, I'm going to make five interviews. Yeah. If you if you happen upon that agent that you just click with and you feel confident in that you can uh, you can share what you're what you're looking for and you feel like they're really looking out for you and listening to you, that's a good agent for you. Yeah. I mean, um, I I do think that like I said, most of the ones around here are really they're good agents who do have people's best interest at heart. But, um, yeah, you do need to have somebody that's looking out for you. Definitely. Good. And what's the future for you and your company? Oh, well, um, I get asked that a lot because yeah. I think people think I'm really old. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and, uh, but actually, um, I am, we are starting a transition um, just in the very early stages. Uh, I'm looking at doing this for another 10 years. So for at sure. At least. 10 years why not why not um so yeah you know when i turned 50 i said okay i'm halfway there so i got, yeah. I got <laughs> yeah. a few years left um, but um so i'm looking at that growing the business based on the interest of those that are going to take it over okay. so and 
trying to set up systems that are just running running well so that I don't have to be there. Mm-hmm. And we're getting there. I mean, we really are making making great strides already. So I'm really pleased with that. Good. So to grow in your business, is it is it a just a matter of being more efficient? Mm-hmm. Or is it trying to cover more territory? Actually, um, yeah, I think it's more about um, expertise. You know, I, I don't want to just fill the fill the desk with people. I mean, sure. I know that that's a strategy for some large companies, just get more and more agents. Yeah. Well, I would personally prefer to have fewer and more productive agents mm-hmm. than just a whole slew of agents. Yeah. So, plus you have to kind of buy into our philosophy if you want to be part of us, you know? And I do think that that's, I think that's crucial um, because if it doesn't fit, and what are we doing? Yeah. You know, yep. I, I, right. so I think the, what I see down the road is I, I'd like to see the business grow as far as number of agents, as long as we all fit together well, because sure. that office environment, the culture we have at our office, it's huge and it can, it can go sideways really quickly with the wrong people. Sure. So. As you grow, you started solo mm-hmm. and as you grow, are you finding yourself fitting into that leadership position well um you know i think uh it's better now uh yeah i think some growing pains oh definitely definitely (laughs) yeah because uh i come from i came from very much a you know i know what i want to do i know how to do it i'm going to do it and uh the difference is now you know trying to help others and when when all of a sudden you became surrounded by people who are wanting to do what you do, yeah, and that's great, but they don't know how to do it, but they're coming to you to do it, and I'm just like, I just want to do my stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's a, it was kind of thrust on me to to take that on, yep. and so that um, that is something that I, I wasn't as prepared for as I should have been, okay. because I thought, well, can't you just come in here and just do what I do? And yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, no, I can't. No. Um, so um, now, at the point I'm at now, I do uh, embrace the, um, the more of a leadership role and kind of what we're doing here and trying to, you know, figure out our, together, figure out our long-term vision and why this is important and, yeah. So leadership is hard, yeah. um, especially if you're not fully in it. Yeah. And I think that the difference between now and and a few years ago is I wasn't fully in it um, in the sense of working on the business versus working in the business. Yeah. Okay. Two sure. Different things. Yep. So, Do you find yourself letting some of these folks learn the lesson in a hard way? Oh. You almost have to. Yeah, that's the way. Yeah, that's I how mean, it sticks. Like everybody can, you can, you can tell them so many times, and then it's like, okay, well, yep. here we go. You're gonna and learn. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah, and it, we, it's off. It's 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 funny to me because uh, oftentimes I'll have conversations, and and very soon in the conversation, it's like, well, I know you told me this before, and <laughs> yep, I remember and, you telling me this. Okay. Yeah. And what are we gonna do with this yes. now that you know this and are, are we just are we just is this a sounding board and that's great i'm happy to be that yeah so, <laughs> so. oh good well john it's been interesting chatting with you is there anything else you wanted to cover tonight um well i do think that um the real estate world has changed i believe strongly in what we're doing as a team because there's no one person who can do real estate the way that the customer wants it these days. Okay. Because every customer wants, if you're a seller, you want all of that advertising and you want it to look great. And you, and you have to have somebody around to take those leads and run with those leads and do all of that. And the single real estate agent cannot do it all unless they don't have a very much of a growth pattern. Last year, I mean, the numbers are all recorded. Anybody can look this up. I think we, what was it, 149 transactions that we did last year. Wow. So that's a a good number. Um, And for this little town. Yeah. And, um, but I want to, I want to keep that growing, but I want to do it with quality, you know, versus just 
pumping out the numbers and doing it like that. Um, so I do think that we're going to see more and more teams develop because I think it's a successful model, and I expect to continue growing that. Hmm, excellent. That's awesome. So for someone that is just getting into it, selling, buying, mm-hmm. is there a good source of education that you would normally send someone to? Yeah, there's a lot of um, really good companies out there that, first of all, getting your license, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to make a little bit of a plug here. Right now, um, (laughs) Keller Williams uh, International is doing a thing where they will pay uh, for you to get your license as long as you work for them for one year after you have their license. So, um, and and the investment, it's more time than money, but... You can probably get your real estate license for about, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Okay, sure. So, but if you're working somewhere else and you you want to get this started and they can do it all online, yeah, they're doing that. They're doing that in all 50 states. So, well, I don't think it's in New York. They won't let them do that in New York. But okay. anyway. Um, they won't let us do anything over there anymore. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. That's okay. They still let us in. Yeah, yeah, things. true. So, but that's that's kind of a you know you can do that. Otherwise, you can just go. To, Kaplan is a great resource for. Okay. Um, they're online, but they also have physical locations here, and I think they'll probably start doing some of that later this year. But that's a good resource for um, live instructors that really are quality instructors. Very cool. Yeah, for anyone that wants to follow your footsteps. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. To go ahead. <laughs> There's a lot of steps there. Yeah, yeah. But they have to wait for some sort of downturn, right? Oh, yeah. Before they get to start. You got to start low. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you want to do it that way, I wouldn't advise that. No. Find a good mentor. That's where I go. Find, yep. find somebody that's willing to help. Yeah, because a lot of those lessons, like Nate had mentioned, learn the hard way. Maybe you could pick up on before you need to learn the hard way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I think that, well, I think one of the biggest things that um, is so important is to prioritize what's important in your life. You know, your family, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, church, family, all that stuff comes before work. And you lose that, and especially you lose that in the beginning. And it's not worth losing. I mean, you really have to have to stick to that. I know oh, I had an agent, a young agent once that uh, couldn't not couldn't disconnect. Yeah. Just couldn't do it. Drive by the time it was morning, she was frazzled because she'd been sleeping thinking about this all night long. Yeah. It's like, you know, maybe this isn't the right yeah, this isn't sure. the right fit for you. Yeah. Find, find an outlet to turn it off. Yes, you have to. You have yeah. To. I don't know that I've come to a full realization about, you know, like a work life balance, but I have recognized that, you know, burying yourself in work and and coming into some of that success does feel good, but in the long run, it it really is just a miserable existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it took the kids kind of growing in um, to some of the older ages to to recognize that. Oh, yeah. That it's nicer to be it's more fun to be around them <laughs> and oh. hang out with them and and build memories than it is to uh, build any sort of wealth or success that way. Oh, without a doubt, those memories that the kids have. Guess what? Those they. They go by so fast, yeah. you know, where where they're at, and and that you know, my I've grandkids that are the age of your kids, and yep. it's like, oh my God, these these times just go, just go so fast, and they're yeah. worth so much, so much more than whatever transaction you could close today. Yeah. Um, and it, well, it's so true. I mean, nobody. <laughs> On their deathbed, said, "I really wish I would have worked more." Yeah, no, <laughs> not just, once. No, they just don't. <laughs> if I would have closed one more. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 not happening. So good. Anyway. Nate, you're good over there. I think so. Yeah. And if we Got covered the big ones, covered. We, we covered all the topics you wanted to cover, John. Yeah, yeah, this is great. I really appreciate you guys doing this. I hope Thank I you. wish you a lot of success with your podcast. Yeah. And um, uh, I'll be listening. We don't have any sort of huge high expectations for it. No, but we sure are having a blast doing it. Well, yep. yeah, yeah. I mean, a good conversation. Maybe learn that you know how other people see the world a little bit. I Definitely, think it's kind of a yeah. kind of a good thing. Yeah. So, well, thanks for coming in to talk to us, John. Yeah, yeah thanks, John. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll catch you later. We'll Sounds have you great. back another time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Bye. See ya. And with that, John Rowan has left our studio. But if you would like to get a hold of him or anyone on his team. 
They are online, redwinghomesforsale.com. Thanks, y'all, for listening. I hope you tune in to the next one and share this with your friends. Leave us a review. Yeah, that's how we keep this thing chugging along. And with that, this has been another edition of Just the Two of Us podcast, where it is absolutely just the two of us, except for tonight when we had a special guest. My name is John. And I am Boba Fett. (laughs) Nope. That's not it. Now Disney's going to be after us. (laughs) I'm Nate. There it is. And this has been Just the Two of Us. Catch you later. Talk to you next time.